Policy Podcast. I'm Ashkin Kazarian. On today's show, we're going to talk about antitrust and the latest news in the world of antitrust, which are the Department of Justice filing a lawsuit against Google. Joining me are uh, Ashish Agarwal, our Deputy General Counsel and Antitrust Counsel, and Baron Zokas, the founder of Tech Freedom, and you know who he is. Guys, welcome. Well, thanks, Ash. So uh, this is my first podcast with Tech Freedom. Delighted to be on board. For uh, folks who haven't had a chance to connect with yet, uh, I'm a recent alumnus of the Trump administration and also a veteran of the FTC, and it is great to get back to these issues. Baron, how are you doing? Well, it's, it's been so long that you've had me on the podcast that you've forgotten that the Z in my last name is silent. So that's... Uh, no, I've always said your name wrong. You just never <laughs> saw it before. Well, I think I also pronounce... I think we all pronounce your name wrong. It is... Yeah. It is Osh. Yeah. Right? Yes, it is. Um, so I think we're even. Okay. All right. So let's get into this. On Monday, which feels like a month ago, um, DOJ, uh, it went public, but DOJ filed a lawsuit against Google alleging that they're violating antitrust laws. Do you mind just walking us through uh, kind of what was happening before? Obviously, there were reports that this was going to happen, like we knew it was coming. There were some leaks of documents that, was ha- that were happening. Can you set the table on the political and the just information um, situation before the lawsuit. Sure, uh, Ash, I'll uh, or Ash, awesome. uh, I'll, I'll I'll start. So you know, as as you know, and everybody listening to this knows, I mean, big tech has been in the crosshairs. Reports are that uh, the Department of Justice started its investigation almost a year ago, uh, in conjunction with, uh, I believe, all of the fifty states. Um, maybe one or two have opted out. And you know, they're looking at you know, anti-competitive conduct for Google in a number of different areas, including its dominance of you know, search engines, including its uh, you know, dominance of online advertising, as well as possibly some past transactions. You know, Google has been uh, you know, uh, very much invested in a number of startups. Um, some of those acquisitions may come under scrutiny as well. In addition to that, as you know, just in the past few weeks, the uh, House Antitrust Subcommittee, led by Chairman uh, David Cicilline, uh, put out a very comprehensive report. And that's after holding a, um, a, 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 a hearing in which the CEOs of you know, four of the biggest uh, tech companies were, were called to testify and in, in some ways you know, read the Riot Act, both by Democrats and by Republicans for, for different issues. Um, this particular lawsuit, has been rumored uh, coming for a long time. There were reports that Attorney General Bill Barr was pushing to get it out before election day. Um, and it certainly does you know, fall at a time when big tech is under scrutiny from all sides. Thank you for that recap. Uh, Baron. what are your thoughts on all the, the fun summer of antitrust we had? Well, not just antitrust, right? Uh, when she says that uh, Google is under scrutiny from all sides, uh, he's, he's not kidding. Uh, People are out for, for blood from all of the big tech companies from left and right. Uh, so at the same time, you have uh, a very large uh, chorus of voices who are calling for the antitrust laws to be rewritten completely and to no longer focus on consumer welfare, but instead uh, focus on bigness and all sorts of other subjective uh, assessments on the left. Uh, you also have uh, an, an increasingly angry mob on the right uh, that is led by the president who have been demonizing tech companies in general. Uh, Google has been uh, one of the targets of that. 
And uh, it's in that context that this decision comes out. And it certainly has raised a lot of uh, political questions uh, about whether the lawsuit is being brought for political uh, reasons. Uh, the same sorts of questions were raised when the Department of Justice brought the first uh, so-called vertical merger case against uh, AT&T's acquisition of Time Warner several years ago, first case in 40 years. And uh, that, that case was, was tossed out, almost laughed out of court. Uh, and they, a lot of people wondered why that case was brought. And they're wondering now why this case was brought. And it's, uh, it's not unreasonable to think that there was some degree of political calculation, uh, if only to get the president and Republicans to, uh, to, to stop uh, screaming at the Department of Justice about the case. Well, now for the record, uh, I should say that um, uh, I, you know, I don't know that um, the, you know, the ha having been on, on the other side of the table on these issues, you know, I continue to believe in the, you know, integrity of, um, you know, the good people at the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission. And in terms of the president, look, these, these concerns aren't unique to him. They have been raised um, uh, by a lot of people um, you know, on, on the right, concerned about you know, anti-conservative bias. Uh, you know, Josh Hawley, um, Senator from Missouri, has certainly led that charge. And on the left, there have been concerns you know, expressed by the Biden campaign, as well as you know, uh, you know, Jared Nadler, David Cicilline, and others about uh, you know, different aspects of, of Google's behavior, and including allegations that they're not doing enough to police you know, disinformation and what have you, and, and just the general sentiment, and you touched on it as well. Think from all sides of the aisle that uh, you know big, big is bad, and that is very much a um, uh, sort of, sort of a back to the future um, you know kind of kind of a strand in antitrust thinking because for the last several decades um, uh, there's been this bipartisan consensus that big isn't bad and that the focus should be solely on consumer welfare. I think our listeners can tell that even within tech freedom, we have different positions and a whole spectrum of political opinions that obviously contributes into how we analyze the situation. But what we all agree on is the legal analysis of this complaint. So let's go into it. Um, can you walk me through, let's start with like the first point of the first allegation that DOJ makes in their complaint. Sure, so uh, to, to recap the complaint, it alleges that uh, Google has used anti-competitive techniques to gain dominance in the search market. Um, as DOJ recites, you know, more than 90% plus of general searches in the United States are now made um, using Google's search engine, and that's, um, you know, com computers, mobile devices, etc. And, you know, the, the core underlying allegation is that Google has engaged in, has I guess compelled or maybe coerced would be a word. Um, these manufacturers, including um, uh, you know, in, including Apple, as well as um, some of the uh, telecommunications companies, to pre-install Google Google search engine on their devices, um, um, on pain of not being able to get the full suite of Google software that they make available, and that so many. Uh, people outside of the Apple universe uh, rely on now. Or, or, or in the case of Apple, uh, to um, not get the revenue that, that Google provides, right? So there's two different kinds of relationships here, just, just to make the record clear. Um, Apple, of course, has its own closed environment. Um, Apple uh, agrees to set the default search engine to be Google, and Apple gets paid for that. Uh, 
And then there's Android, which is the operating system that Google develops that uh, is the um, world's most popular operating system where the, uh, Google requires that if you want to get the uh, suite of uh, basic Google apps, including the app store uh, and revenue sharing, uh, that you uh, also agree to set Google to be the default search engine in the browser on the phone. All right, so let's talk about one of the main questions that have been discussed since the complaint was filed, and that is the definition of a market that DOJ presented and the definition of a market that the law has. Um, at least to me, it seems that the definition DOJ uh, presented uh, was so specific that it only applied to Google. Um, would you guys agree, disagree? What are the intricacies around it? Well, I, I would very much agree with um, the, the, the premise of your question, Ash, which is that uh, DOJ, in, in my own view, really did define the market much too narrowly in several respects. So, you know, DOJ has defined the market to include um, uh, only, uh, you know, companies that allow for licensable uh, software. So that excludes Apple, and Apple has, I believe, it's sixty percent of the of, of, of the um, of the of the mobile phone market you know, in in the in the country. And it isn't obvious uh, to me, at least, as to why you would exclude Apple from the from the market when there are you know, obviously very vigorous competitors, uh, you know, with Google. Um, DOJ also defines the market by focusing on general uh, searches. So, you know, a general search would be if you were to, you know, go in your phone and ask, you know, when was Otto von Bismarck born? Well, that's, uh, that's a very interesting question, but where you know, Google and other companies make money uh, is on product searches. And so if you were to um, uh, enter a search into, uh, gosh, uh, can, can I buy a new television? How much was it? What's the best brand? And Ash, I know that's something that you, you know, you're, you're focused on pretty much every week. Uh, then uh, you're going to get a bunch of ads sponsored by you know, television manufacturers. And if you as a consumer click on that ad, that's how Google makes its money. That's how Amazon you know, makes money in, in product searches. And in those product searches where the money is really made, Amazon has now actually supplanted Google as the number one country, company um, in the United States. So for both those reasons, and I'm sure Barron probably has you know, a few others as well, it looks to me as if DOJ is really misconstruing the market. I mean, yeah, so there's, there, there are a few different markets here. The, the market that the complaint is primarily concerned about is the search market. The, the, the mobile stuff is secondary. That's where Google is alleged to have engaged in exclusionary conduct to protect its uh, dominance in the search market. And as Ashish notes, the search market is defined to be uh, general search. Uh, and, and if you define it that way, if you, if you define it that broadly, uh, it doesn't matter that um, most consumers actually start their searches on Amazon. And, and the data on this is pretty clear. Uh, we will post a link in the show notes. But uh, if you ask people where they start their product searches, a uh, recent survey said that 70% of consumers began their product searches on Amazon. And that, that's actually up from 65% at the beginning of the year. So if anything, Amazon is, uh, is steadily uh, cementing its uh, lead in the product search market. Uh, and only 16% of consumers start with 
uh, traditional general search engine like Google, and that's down from 23%. So uh, th that that's the first mistake that the uh, DOJ makes here. And, and then everything else flows from that. Uh, the, these other questions about how you understand uh, the mobile operating market, it, it, they're really secondary because the, the allegation there is really uh, that Google is doing something to uh, stop other search engines from competing with it in that first market, the market for general product search. And the simplest way that I would put this is to say that um, it, there was a time when general product search seemed to be the thing that the, the, the dimension of competition that really mattered, excuse me, general uh, search overall. Uh, it's pretty clear now that actually consumers are quite happy to have uh, a number of different tools. And you might look up uh, Bismarck's birthday on Google um, and yet do all of your product searches on Amazon. And if that's the case, uh, then the underlying theory here that uh, Google is trying to defend its revenue stream just doesn't make any sense because as a huge notes, Google isn't making money when you search for, for Bismarck. So you said that's the first mistake DOJ made. What is the second one, the one that flows from the first one? Well, I, th I think that the, the mistake that flows from that is alleging that uh, Google you know, has you know, a monopoly because given how much competition there is in the market for searching for products, which again is where companies make their money. Um, if you were to look at this, I don't think that you would conclude that Google even has you know, monopoly power. And if Google doesn't have monopoly power, then a lot of the, the, the contracts that DOJ is complaining about, and, and we'll talk about those, but the, the contracts that you know, arguably you know, exclude competition don't, don't really matter so much because you know, the, the, the point is that companies and consumers do have you know, a range of options. I think a second huge mistake that um, DOJ makes is failing to recognize how easy it is for consumers to switch um, search engines these days. So, you know, DOJ is very much concerned that uh, Google through its contracts allows or requires um, its search engine to be pre-installed on, you know, you know, mobile phones and on other devices and set as the default engine. Um, what Google, DOJ, I think, fails to appreciate is, you know, today, it's 2020, it is costless for people to switch search engines if they are at all dissatisfied with the Google product. Um, they don't have to pay you know, $100 and go to Best Buy to buy Microsoft Office. Uh, you know, click on a few buttons or you know, have their grandkids click on a few buttons and there you go, they can get something new. Raise your hand if you used Internet Explorer to download Google Chrome. So I, I wanna jump in here because I, I think even the way that that, that was just framed uh, is a little, is a little outdated, right? Uh, yes, it's easy for consumers to switch the search engine in the browser on their phone if they want to. I, I think that's not the most important point here. I think the more important point is that uh, there's nothing in anything that Google does or even is alleged to do that prevents Amazon from getting its app put onto the home screen of mobile devices. And the same is true for Walmart and Alibaba and eBay and Angie's List and so on and Yelp, right? And, and my point is uh, that uh, 
even if this gets back to the original point, right? Even if it's true that uh, almost everyone um, uses Google to search for things like uh, Bismarck's birthday, uh, it's just increasingly less true that people use or rely on Google for searching for product or a service provider. And, and when, you're, when you're thinking about the mobile experience, uh, it's, you, don't, you don't need to change, you don't need uh, the search engine, you don't need to switch or you know, to do anything to the settings. All you need to do is know how to get to Amazon or Yelp or whatever. And, and this is really important. Uh, the word pre-install is used 59 times in the complaint. And uh, the Department of Justice would have you believe that, um, they actually say this at one point, they say that uh, the requirement that Google imposes that uh, Google's uh, suite of apps be pre-installed on the device uh, de deters the phone makers or the wireless carriers uh, from pre-installing other apps. And the only argument that they have for that is that, uh, well, those apps, those, those, uh, the Google uh, suite takes up too much space. Well, we ran the numbers and it turns out the Google suite is about a half a gig of storage. The typical phone today is 128 gigs. Some of them might be 64 gigs, but you can see we're talking about less than a half of a percent or less than 1% of the total device storage space. So that, that can't possibly be a reason why an OEM or a carrier uh, wouldn't have an incentive to pre-install apps. And in fact, the OEMs and the carriers get paid for Yelp or Amazon or Walmart to get their apps preloaded on the home screen. And what Google is requiring is simply that its suite of apps be put in one folder on the home screen, but there are still 15 other icons that are accessible to the user. So what this really comes down to, you wanna think about it is uh, the Department of Justice says again and again, that it's not enough because uh, Google requires that the uh, default search engine in the browser be Google and that the search engine on the search bar at the bottom of the, of the home screen and the voice assistant, that those only go to Google and those can't be changed. So to me, the, the right question to ask is, uh, yes, that encourages people to use Google search engine, clearly, right? Uh, well, Google's also developed the world's most popular operating system and gives it away for free. And they have, a, they have to have a business model for that. And the business model clearly is encouraging people to use Google search. And the question is, is that, is that an invalid trade-off to, to make that operating system available when you're not doing anything to stop people from installing apps that, that can be used to conduct product searches, which is where all the money's made. Let's set aside the complaint and talk about the state of law right now. Not the proposals, not what the House Democrats have in mind, but right now, what would be a violation of antitrust laws? What would really actually define Google as a monopoly? What do we have on the books? So right now, and really for the last 40 years, antitrust law has been focused on the consumer welfare standard. And what that means is that the antitrust enforcers are really focused on what's good for consumers as measured by price and output. So if you know, a monopolist is accused of engaging in conduct that is anti-competitive, uh, you, you evaluate that allegation by determining probably first and foremost, well, are prices going up? 
Is output going down? Do consumers have more choices, fewer choices? That sort of thing. Baron, so what would be a violation of that standard? And would Google's case fit under that? Well, having a monopoly is not a violation of antitrust law. What is a violation is uh, acquiring that monopoly through illegal means uh, or using that monopoly uh, in some anti-competitive way, right? That's why the complaint, it's not enough for the complaint just to say that Google dominates the market for search, however defined. Uh, the complaint has to go further and say that Google is engaging in exclusionary conduct. That's what we've been discussing. This whole concept about pre-installing apps and setting Google as the default search engine, that's the alleged violation, not the monopoly. You know, Baron, you're, you're absolutely right about that point. But one of the concerns that I have about DOJ's complaint is that it, it almost does get to this idea that, uh, you know, ha having, uh, you know, a large market share and being a very big company are, are bad things. The complaint repeatedly talks about how, uh, you know, the scale that it takes to get into um, the, the search market and, you know, the probably billions of web pages that are out there to create an index. Apparently only Google and Microsoft uh, domestically have, have, those, uh, have those capabilities. Uh, you know, but the problem is one of the themes in DOJ's complaint is that that alone you know, is problematic from the standpoint of competition. Um, just, just that theme is something that is very different from you know, what you've seen uh, from antitrust enforcers uh, on both sides of the aisle over the last several decades. I wanna take another step, not back, but aside and talk about Euro Europe. We often talk about technology regulation in US and compare it to European ones because their standards and their policies and their ideas on what is good policy often differ from here, what we have here in the United States. Uh, can you give me, Baron? can you give me a rundown of what has been going on in Europe with a commission, uh, there were, we heard about some big fines uh, for tech companies pretty recently. So the last time that the European Commission brought an antitrust suit against Google uh, in 2018, we called it the stupidest antitrust suit of all time. And, and the reason is that it, it did the same thing that uh, DOJ is doing here. It, it asserted that uh, Google and Apple don't compete in the operating system market uh, just because uh, Apple doesn't give away its uh, operating system for free and Google does. Uh, so that just gives you a sense of how um, uh, I think divorced from real world reality the European Commission is in its approach. Uh, but that's just one example. The European Commission has been very active in bringing uh, antitrust enforcement actions over the years. Uh, they've done it against Google, but before Google it was Microsoft. Uh, so after the Microsoft case in the US was settled, uh, Microsoft went through another decade of litigation in uh, Europe. And first it was about Windows Media Player and the European Commission forced them to create a Europe only version of Windows that didn't have Windows Media Player. And I think something like, I don't remember the number, but something like 16 people downloaded that version. Uh, and so, you know, that was a, a big to do about nothing. It was a remedy that didn't change anything in the market because nobody wanted the thing that the European Commission thought they needed. Uh, and then the European Commission went through basically the same thing uh, with, uh, with Microsoft over browsers when Microsoft was alleged to be trying to leverage its uh, operating system, uh, so-called uh, monopoly, to, uh, to try to uh, keep a hold of the browser market. Well, clearly that didn't work. Uh, it hasn't worked anywhere. 
Um, but Europe, uh, European Commission was very convinced that uh, unless they uh, force Microsoft to give consumers a choice, uh, that uh, Internet Explorer was going to continue to take over the world. And, and that uh, gave birth to the browser ballot, which uh, forced uh, consumers to pick which browser they wanted to use. And, uh, and the bottom line is that after a great deal of, uh, of engineering um, kerfuffle, uh, nothing changed in the marketplace. Uh, consumers continued to pick the browser that they wanted, which was what they did anyway. Just like you always say that the number one search on Internet Explorer is for Google Chrome. I would like to chime in and say that one of the biggest triggers for me this week, we can have a new segment like Ashes Triggers, was a certain individual who is not a lawyer but claims to be an antitrust law expert who was talking about the great um, actions by the Russian um, monopoly uh, agency and how they were not scared of Google because of the Cold War and so they took swift action and because they had Yandex, uh, Yandex which is how you say it in Russian, the Russian search engine and that's why um, Google was defeated in Russia. Well, let's start with the fact that uh, apparently the defeat was actually the same thing, like having to choose between the two browsers, uh, that option, that very, you know, software fix. Uh, number two is, uh, unless this gentleman, well, I'm pretty sure he doesn't know, but Yandex um, has been spotted uh, in actively working with Russian government, uh, helping it spy on its citizens. Also, Yandex is not just a search engine. Yandex has their own taxi service. So think like Uber or Lyft. So um, Yandex is not just a search engine. They have a variety of uh, specializations. On top of it, uh, at least last time I worked in Russian Federation, which was quite a while ago, but still, um, Yandex was offering the service where you can pay them for your search results to show up higher. And it did not, unlike in Google, have the ad next to it. Um, like I remember we had a client when I was in private practice back in Russia who asked me to look over the contracts with Yandex and that was what the contract was about. So if Mr. Blink thinks that that's what the great uh, antitrust agency in Russia achieved then we should follow their suit. Um, I ask everyone to think for themselves before they read his like two paragraphs on his um, email letter. Okay, I'm getting off the box. Ash, really, it makes very vividly clear what it means to pick winners and losers. And, you know, it, it sounds sort of cute and silly when it's the European Commission in Brussels that's trying to, to, to you know, give people a choice and force something to be changed and so on. But your example really does highlight that once you open the door to doing that, you, you, you do give governments the power to to pick winners and losers to, to you know, uh, you could talk about the, the example we've just been through with TikTok where uh, the, um, you know, at the end of the day, the only company that really, the only person or party that seemed to benefit was one particular company that has a particular set of uh, economic interests and political alliances, right? That's always a danger in any time the government's going in and trying to reorganize the market. Well, now with with TikTok, to be fair, there were uh, some national security concerns. Uh, w whether you know, people think those are you know, meritorious or not, people were concerned about uh, you know the Chinese government having access. To we have a very wide. I have a very wide body of work uh, where I highlight. I was one of the first people in 
tech policy space in DC who highlighted these concerns before the White House even did. But what I want to say is, it is kind of suspicious that the first, uh, <laughs> the first entity who decides to use Oracle's cloud services is TikTok. Uh, no one else did before. Um, and, 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 Uber, and Walmart. And, and, Walmart. And, and that arrangement didn't actually address the, the national security. Yeah, none of, none of them. Um, however, that's, uh, I can link to some of the work and some of, uh, long, sorry. But, but, but it, it, that case illustrates that what really matters is the remedy. So if the remedy there had been focused on making sure that Americans' data didn't go to the Chinese government or that the Chinese government wasn't engaged in content moderation, you, you know, that, that, would, that would be a very different thing. But what actually ended up happening is neither of those things got addressed and instead, a favored company was able to, to gain uh, leverage in the marketplace. And, and the point is simply that you always, in, in these cases, the most important thing is to focus on what are the harms alleged and what are the remedies? And, and, if, and if the two don't match up, that, that's what looks suspicious. And, and here, I, I mean, we don't know, right? Because this, the, the uh, prayer for relief is very general as they usually are, and it, it doesn't get specific. And so what we, what we are left with is trying to extrapolate from the complaint um, and the strongest parts of the complaint, uh, what remedies a court is likely to impose. Well, you know, of, of, in, in, in terms of remedies, you know, of course it's hard to predict. I will say this is a lawsuit that is not likely to lead to the end of Google or to the dismemberment of Google. It's a very narrow lawsuit that complains only about uh, Google search capacity and that uh, you know, really even within that focuses on some complaints about uh, you know, Google's contracts with uh, you know, equipment manufacturers and, and others. So in terms of what a remedy might look like, uh, I, I would say that it's it would, certainly within the realm of possibility that uh, if Google were to lose, that the court might uh, somehow limit Google's ability to engage in certain kinds of contracts with manufacturers. So for example, the court might say that Google can no longer require uh, as a condition of you know, making its Android software available that a, uh, uh, a manufacturer can't pre-install you know, other search engines. Uh, a court might you know, limit the terms of uh, the, like the length of a, a Google contract, typically now they're two to three years, a court could say, well, gosh, in order to give, you know, new startups a chance, you can't have contracts that are, um, uh, you know, longer than one year. A court conceivably, this would be um, a more serious remedy, a court could say, uh, hey, Google, you, uh, you, you give your software away for free, um, and in exchange, you, you know, have all these expectations, including, you know, pre-installation on phones, well, we, we recognize that you need to make money and that's fine, but you have to make your uh, Google software available um, uh, to license. Um, it's called FRAN terms, you know, fair, reasonable, and, and neutral, um, non-discriminatory terms. So you know, Google, um, in, in, instead of doing what you're doing now, um, you have to let manufacturers basically buy a license to your, to your software. Interestingly enough, if a court were to do something like that, probably would end up resulting in consumers paying more for, you know, their phones that run Android than, than now. So, you know, it's, it's not clear that this lawsuit actually will end up helping consumers. Okay. 
So let's just talk about predictions and what do we predict happens with this lawsuit? Um, is there any potential change if there is a Biden White House instead? Uh, let's say with uh, Elizabeth Warren as Attorney General, are they going to pursue this lawsuit? We're also, you know, not forgetting that it's not just Department of Justice; it's also eleven Attorney Generals, State Attorney Generals. Uh, all of them right now are Republican Attorney Generals. If that might change. So what do we think is the future of the lawsuit? What do we think the court will rule if the lawsuit proceeds as it is right now? Well, you know, um, Ash, I, 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 I think that uh, DOJ faces a real uh, uphill climb with this lawsuit. If you look at you know, the, the market writ large, and I know there's a lot of dispute in terms of how you actually define the market, and usually that's where most of the fighting in antitrust cases lies. But, but if you just look at the overall universe there, um, you, have to, you have to acknowledge that uh, you know, prices are falling for advertising. Consumers do have you know, lots of choices, and not just you know, Google versus Apple. You also have you know, choices for search in, different search engines, you know, like Bing or DuckDuckGo. You have different apps that can provide users with um, you know, some of the same information that they're looking at, you know, Amazon for product searches, Yelp or Angie's List for um, uh, for other kinds of, uh, you know, professional services, you know, LinkedIn, um, and all those services are, are essentially free at one level. They're not that hard to install. So a market where prices are falling, I, output is expanding, and consumers have lots of other choices available for free, isn't a marketplace where a court would obvious, obviously look at it and say, oh gosh, there's, a, there's, not, a, there's not enough competition here. So, on balance, I, I think it's more likely than not that uh, Google probably prevails in this lawsuit. Now we'll see. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what evidence DOJ has. It's entirely possible that they will uh, be able to point to some specific contracts that do have some problematic terms and their complaint uh, kind, kind of makes some allegations about that. But at the outset of this lawsuit, it seems like an uphill climb. Yeah, this is the one uh, part of the complaint that left us uh, most curious to know more. I mean, in general, you expect the complaint to lay out what they discovered in their investigation and, uh, and, and a lot of specific things that we've discussed today. Uh, there are a few places where uh, they allege that uh, some of the contracts that Google has uh, signed with uh, phone makers and carriers um, uh, would prevent them from changing the default search engine in the browser, for example. So it'll be interesting to see more uh, detail about that. That's not really explained in, uh, in depth in the complaint. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I'll put it this way, a, a number of the things that the complaint focuses on um, would I think fall into the same bucket of remedies as the European Commission requiring uh, uh, another version of Windows without Windows Media Player or the browser ballot. In other words, they would be um, largely window dressing that are, are things that are not likely to change the market. And then there are a few other things that, that could be done that, um, that might actually uh, change the market, but also where Google has a very good defense that, that ultimately, yeah, they, they try to get people to use Google search uh, and that's the value proposition for, uh, for Android. And if you take that away, uh, there's no free lunch. Uh, Android isn't going to be as good, uh, or uh, Google's going to start, uh, instead of paying the carriers and the OEMs, uh, the phone makers, 
who, who make Android phones, Google might start charging them uh, money. And ultimately, as Ashish notes, that, that money has to come from somebody and it's gonna be consumers. So, uh, you, know, um, you know, Ash, I do think it's important, um, maybe on a final note, to talk about how the Google suit relates to everything, that's, everything else that's going on in the world right now. You know, big tech is under so much scrutiny that there have been a lot of calls to really revisit what antitrust law is all about. So, you know, as we started with, a few weeks ago, you know, the House Antitrust Subcommittee put out this massive 450-page report that called, um, you know, for various serious sanctions against, um, you know, four of the big tech companies, but also called to really, um, you know, fundamentally rethink what antitrust law is all about. So, you know, Chairman Cicilline's report endorses the idea that antitrust law should be about protecting democratic ideals and fairness, entrepreneurs, and and all sorts of other things, um, you know, all, all of which are, are, are great concepts. We, we all want to live by our democratic ideals, but it's not obvious at all what that means in an antitrust contract or antitrust context or what it would mean for, for a contract at all. And it certainly would move away from the consumer welfare standard, which um, the report says is, um, you know, is sort of an outdated and, and too narrow of a concept. So in some respects, I think that fact that DOJ filed this lawsuit uh, could actually have some salutary benefits for the antitrust discussion right now. So for one thing, I think it's going to put on hold some of the calls for more radical changes to the antitrust laws. So after the lawsuit was filed, both you know, Chairman Cicilline, you know, other you know, Democrats and many Republicans you know, praised the filing of the lawsuit. They said, well, it's about time that something like this was filed. Well, I think it's going to be hard for Congress to generate momentum to fundamentally rewrite the antitrust laws while this lawsuit is pending. So in that sense, I think the fact that you know court is going to build a record, look at these allegations substantively, is, is probably a good thing. The second thing I think it does is it it, it does respond to uh, you know charges from both sides of the aisle uh, to uh, you know demands to do something about big tech. As we all know. When the public is interested in something, when congressmen are interested in something, there is a demand to quote unquote do something regardless of what that is. Well, uh, something has now been done. DOJ has filed this lawsuit and it will take its course. So um, I think we, we can all hope that this will buy some time for you know, much more rational uh, discussion to take place about what the future of antitrust law should be. And the third thing that I think this lawsuit does that is salutary is it does. You know, even if you're skeptical of the lawsuit, like I am and like Barron is, what it does do is it, um, it critiques Google with a scalpel, not a sledgehammer. This is not a lawsuit that is designed to break up Google. We've certainly heard rumors that a more aggressive lawsuit could be coming from uh, Democratic uh, attorney generals or you know, certainly possibly from a Biden administration. The fact that this lawsuit is out there uh, on very narrow grounds might help to you know, forestall some of the more aggressive and maybe more egregious uh, challenges to Google. All right, on that positive note, um, I am going to tell our listeners to check out Tech Freedom's work on antitrust questions in our show notes and uh, ask them to follow both Ashish and Baron on Twitter. Also give Tech Freedom a follow if you don't follow us. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and review because that will help others find our podcast. Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a 
nonpartisan nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax-deductible donation, or find other episodes, find us online at techfreedom.org.